Hello, and welcome back to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 192. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of the vitality, of the vigor, of your endurance, of your spunk, of your gumption. This is for women who know that life is a gift and we're not ready to start the downward spiral of letting it go. I think most of us, I certainly realize and think about this, that as we get older, the crispness of our exuberance of our stamina, that might dull a little bit. But this podcast is for women who are not ready to blunt it out entirely. When we get a diagnosis like diabetes or prediabetes, we see it as a warning shot and it threatens that gift of life and we want to stop it. And the more we learn about it, the more we realize this process has to really be reversed in order to maintain that gumption, that spirit that has always been us. This podcast is dedicated to strategies to help women figure this out. Today, we are going to talk about where I started in my journey and the phases that I've gone through. We're going to start with the starting phase and then there will be other podcasts where we talk about the different phases that I've gone through to really create a naturally healthy life for myself and create trust and peace around food. Um, It's going to be an interesting podcast. Uh, I think it's important for women to realize that this is not a straightforward, like this isn't a straight line. You don't start this process and it finishes and it's very straightforward and it follows a path. There is a way to do it that is very straightforward. Um, But if it were that easy, we'd all be doing it. It would be just like buying shoes, okay? Or shoelaces to make our shoes work, right? So we're going to talk about that today. Um, I do want to warn you, I have painters painting my house and I have three dogs. So there are people my dogs don't know around my house. So my dogs are not barking now, but if they lose their marbles and start making a lot of fuss, it's because the painters are distracting them from their peace and quiet of their naps. I don't know if there's any other right down here. You can't see them, but they're right there. Sorry, if you're listening on the podcast players, you can't see this, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can um, see my puppies in my background. All right, before we get started, I want to remind everybody, if you are medicated for your type 2 diabetes, you must be careful when you're making the changes that I recommend in these episodes in this podcast. You have been medicated for a way you have previously eaten. If you change the way you eat, you will probably need to change your medications. If you do not change your medications, you can get very sick, the kind of sickness that involves a hospital visit or possibly death. Okay, so it's very, very important that you have a very close relationship with your medical provider, the person who has prescribed these medications, so that you can have a way, an avenue, a a line of communication developed with them, so you know how to send them your blood sugars, and they can send you feedback and let you know how they want you to change your medication regimen so that you can stay safe while you do this. So please hear me on that. If you are going to start making these changes, please call your doctor If you're on medications, please call call your doctor, let them know what you intend to do and ask them how they want you to communicate your blood sugar readings to them and how they intend to communicate back with you about changes you need to make on your medications. All right. I also want to remind everybody again, like I am broadcasting this podcast recording, this episode recording on YouTube. Follow me, Delane MD on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. Same place, Delane MD. There is a Facebook group and I always get the name wrong. Thank God my mom gave me a name that's kind of unique because you can always look for Delane MD and you'll find the Facebook group, but I think it's reversing diabetes with Delane MD. Um, Join that group. You have to ask for 
membership or whatever, but just send me a, like, ask for that. We'll send me a message. We'll get you in there. It's a great community with lots of people who really want to help. Um, also, if you're finding help from this podcast, if this podcast is helping you make the changes that you need to make to reverse your type two diabetes, please rate the podcast, rate it, review it. The more people that rate and review my podcast, the more it gets presented to other people. So the more people will get the same help that you're getting. So if you're finding this information helpful, please rate and review the podcast so others will get to it. All right. So let's start this conversation. This is a broad topic for me. This covers probably two, two and a half years of my life, maybe more. Um, and it, it's asking me to make kind of, or I have asked myself, nobody else is asking me to do this, but I've um, tried to make uh, a three-part delineation of a very fluid experience that I had. So some of this delineation is kind of um, arbitrary and doesn't really, um, it's not always how I remember it going down, but I'm going to do my best to share it with you. So when I think about when I started this journey, and that's what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about where I started in this journey. We're going to talk about like when I was making the next podcast will be about when I was making the changes, what the actual changes looked like. I'm going to talk about the things that I did then that I wasn't doing before and the things that I stopped doing that I was doing before. Okay. I'm going to talk about all of those things and kind of what it looked like to make that change. And then the last episode, we'll really be talking about what it's like to live in this space now where I do feel in control of my food and at peace with food. I like my relationship with food and I have the trust and the peace regarding my health that I wanted to have. I'll talk about what it's like to live in that space, but let's talk about where I started. When I look back at where I started, when I started this journey, I found myself, what I experienced truly was being out of control with food. I've shared. the breaking point that I had, I've shared it on the podcast a number of times about having this five pound bag of M&Ms that was delivered to my office. I think it was delivered by, I assume it was delivered by either uh, some kind of rep, whether it was a supply rep or a med rep. We didn't get a lot of med reps into that office. So I kind of think it was a supply rep, but there was a five pound bag of plain M&Ms delivered to my office and how I ate that bag of M&Ms in a week. I'd love to tell you that it wasn't just me. I mean, like the staff was there and they were eating it too. And I think they probably were eating it and probably did help out a lot. But I think that I put, I, I killed the lion's share of that bag at the M&M's and I would come home each evening and I would feel horrible. I would just feel awful. I would feel too full so much that I was nauseated from the fullness of the M&M's, but because I had felt like I had fed myself nothing nutritious or quote unquote real throughout the day, I felt obligated to eat something that was quote unquote real food when I got home. By the end of the evening, I would be miserable. My husband at the time, I would tell him how horrible I felt and astutely he would point out that maybe I should stop eating the M&Ms at work since, you know, it was making me feel so poorly, made so much sense. And I would vow in the evening, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. I'm going to stop eating those M&Ms and the next day I could feel better. I wouldn't have to be so miserable. I would wake up in the mornings with the best plans to eat healthy and not do the M&M thing again. And I would get out of bed with a diet Coke in hand and I would pack the leftovers from dinner, which is probably pasta and meatballs or something like that. And I would put them in a lunchbox and I would make a plan for salad or chicken in the evening. And it seemed also reasonable, even solid. I was resolute in this decision or I thought I was, Right. I would get to work and by 10 a.m., I would have a little Dixie cup 
of M&Ms. And it seemed so innocent. It was just one little water cup, one little Dixie cup. They were three ounce cups, right? One little three ounce cup of M&Ms. And I probably wouldn't fill it all the way up. Like, so I would tell myself it was even less than that. And this is the story. This was the narrative that went through my head day in and day out. I would say things like, I know I said I wouldn't, but I'm just so hungry right now. I know I shouldn't have it, but it's just one little cup. Just one won't be that bad. It's just a few ounces. This is how it started. And of course, it turned out one was never enough. One still in my mind, like I do this with wine, like just one little glass of wine. One's never enough. One isn't ever enough. And I was definitely not eating the M&Ms because I was truly hungry. Even if I did tell myself these stories, one was going to be fine. I'm just a little hungry. I was eating the M&Ms because I was bored. Or I had my old friend, Affie, annoyance, frustration, and irritation hanging out with me. Those feelings were what I was trying to appease with M&Ms. It was not my hunger. It was never a feeling of hunger for food that I was appeasing with M&Ms. And of course, this would play out. I would lose any trust with myself, right? Like I would break down the trust and I would just be eating the M&Ms. By the end of the evening... Found myself in the same boat the night that I wasn't the night before. Disappointment in myself, exacerbating nausea and discomfort, and being overfull. And remember, since I didn't deal with my mild emotions like boredom and annoyance and frustration and irritation without wanting to bomb my brain out with M and M's, when I had disappointment in the evening and you know, the discomfort and the nausea, I would typically try to treat those, quote unquote, treat them with something like ice cream or brownies. Those were my typical go-tos, okay? This cycle had been going on for years with me in some form of an, or another, right? As an ER nurse, there was a steady flow of stress and a steady flow of candy to meet the stress. There were bags of Twizzlers, of chocolates, of cookies. In desperate situations, we would go to the gift store, which we also called the candy store because it had bins of candy, which you could purchase by the pieces. You'd be shocked at what a couple dollars would buy you in order to dull your brain out from the stress and the sadness that you saw and the feeling of overwhelm in the ER all day long, right? And then of course you had to go back and help these people who still needed your help, okay? In residency, it was totally similar, right? Like I got through medical school and there was the stress of studying, which was different from the stress in the ER, but there was still stress, right? And the only way I knew to cope with it was to continue eating. In residency, it was the same way. But instead of having just a nurse's station, one in the emergency department, I had access to multiple nurses station on stations on every floor I went to. And if that wasn't enough, the cafeteria would open up for us any time, day or night. We just had to use a phone and call them. And they would make whatever we wanted. They would make pizza. They would make chicken strips for us. They would make fries. They had cookies that were the size of our face. In really desperate situations, we would get haagen ice cream bars from the freezers. Any food we could imagine or want was at our fingertips. All we needed to do, all we thought we needed to get through those 80 hour weeks for 36 months, right? It's no wonder then of course this habit followed me into my quote unquote real job where I was a hospitalist, again, working late nights, overnights. I'd learned to manage all of my emotions and my experience of the demands of my chosen profession with sugar and flour. 
So it was no wonder that when I was pregnant, my A1C, I was definitely pre-diabetic, like with gestational diabetes in my pregnancy, my blood sugars were out of control. I managed to stay off of insulin, thank God, but it was only through a lot of gymnastics and how I would eat. I can remember being pregnant and knowing my babies, I was with a twin pregnancy and I knew they were probably going to come early. And so I would tell myself it was okay to run my blood sugars high because if I had babies that were a little big, it was probably going to be okay because they came, they were coming early. That was one ridiculous story I told myself. The other one, and again, like I was a medical provider, guys. I was in medical school when I got pregnant with my kids and I was a nurse and none of the actual real risks associated with hyperinsulinemia was ever in the forefront of my mind because it was never taught to me, despite having all of this information available at my fingertips. So when I knew that like it was when I'm, I believed, I didn't know it, but when I believed that I could run my blood sugars high, what I would do is I would have to take a blood sugar after my meal. And because that was really all the doctor was asking me to do is take blood sugars after meals. She was never asking me to take my fasting blood sugar. I would eat very responsibly for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because I had to check my blood sugar after those meals. And then after that two hour blood sugar after my dinner meal was checked, I would have literally, I would have ice cream cake. I would have ice cream. I would have brownies. I would have all the things knowing good and well that my blood sugars would probably pop up, but it would keep me off of meds. And if my babies were a little big, that was okay. That was the mindset that went through my brain, right? So even having all of the information of a physician, which is what I had at my fingertips, I still made these decisions. So it was no wonder that even after I delivered my babies and went through all of this training, it's no wonder that I continued to see my A1C creep up. And then of course I saw my weight creep up and that was where shit got real, real quick for me because I did not like that at all. I was never heavy. I was never obese. And my A1C was creeping up, but I had insulin resistance. When my weight started creeping up, that's when it got real. I think many of us see this, right? And we see this coming on and we see this pattern of behavior with food. And then we see these outcomes that we don't like. And we kind of understand that we're kind of on a collision course. We see this coming on, but we have so many different hats and roles as women. We're partners, we're parents. We try to be good adult children to our aging parents. We try to have meaningful work in our professional endeavors. And all of this, many times we find ourselves that we've lost sight of who we are. We've lost sight of us. And then we see these diagnoses like prediabetes and diabetes, or even we see our weight climbing and we know that prediabetes and diabetes is on the horizon and it brings everything into a very harsh light for us and brings it all to light very clearly, but in a harsh way. When I was about 42 going on 43 ish, I started to really feel this pressure. My scale was climbing. I hadn't checked a fasting blood sugar or an A1C in years, despite having the gestational diabetes. I did what I knew would work, right? Like I started to be like, okay, we're going to really crack down. I know how to do this. I've lost 10 pounds before. I'm going to cut the candy out and I'm going to keep my diet going so I don't have to feel hungry and it's going to be okay. So let's pause there, guys. If you've never checked out the Instagram feed, check out my Instagram feed. There is a picture of all my Diet Coke, of the ridiculousness that Diet Coke was for me. Some people think they have a soda problem. They think they have a Diet Coke problem. They, they're like, I drink a couple Diet Cokes a day. And I'm like, that's adorable. 
I would clear close to a 12 pack of Diet Coke almost every day. I would bring multiple 12 packs in to work in a week because I knew that I was going to drink them. In my eight hour shift at work, I knew I was going to drink them. Multiple 12 packs. And then of course I would stop by every convenience store throughout the day and get a Law, what they call, I call them a tall boy, the taller Diet Cokes. That's all they serve now. I think that's all you can get at most quick trips or convenience stores anymore. That's all you can get are those bigger ones. But back in the day, there were these short little, I think they're 12 ounce cans. And now they're like 16 ounce cans. But either way, I would get multiple of those throughout the day too. So I was constantly drinking Diet Coke. I truly, I mean, like I had a problem with Diet Coke. I drank a lot of it and I drank it every day. And in my brain, the narrative was that's okay because they're calorie free. So between the M&Ms and the chocolates, because there are chocolates that are non-M&M chocolates, and clearly in my brain, chocolates have a delineation between M&Ms and other chocolates, and the pizza and the fries and the Diet Cokes. All of this culminated in me feeling sick, me being sick, and me being incredibly out of control with my eating and watching the scale climb. It was very scary to me. It was really scary because where was I supposed to go? My doctor, I was a doctor. I was the doctor. I knew what they said. I knew what was taught to us in medical school about this eating problem. I didn't have anybody to go go to and I couldn't seem to figure it out. It was very scary. In the moment, I would have told you I wanted to be thin, thin and I did want to be thin. And that was what drove me to seek out help. I could see the possibility that was there and people were making quick fix offers. I knew what I really wanted was the peace and the trust around food. The quick fix options I would see, I'd I'd been on Weight Watchers before and had benefit, like I'd had results on Weight Watchers. I can remember I signed up for some crazy patches. I don't even know what they were. I think, I think I believe they were vitamins, but of course they promised like easy weight loss. I don't even remember the name of them, but there are all sorts of these quick fix options out there to help you get to the thin. But what I realized is what I wasn't getting with those quick fix options. It may get me to the potential weight loss that I wanted, but what I really wanted more than being thin was I wanted to have a better relationship with food, a relationship with food that would create health and thinness in my body. I could have went and got liposuction, right? Like I could have went and got, I mean, like I was, I could have saved up and got liposuction. It wasn't financially unavailable to me. This is also why liposuction doesn't work long-term, right? I could have gotten 15 pounds of fat sucked out of my body. But unfortunately, until I learned to stop eating the way I was, that 15 pounds would have just reaccumulated. What I needed was not for the fat to be off. I needed to change my relationship with food. I wanted out of the cycle of overeating. I felt so out of control. I wasn't ready to let go of my health, of my youth, of my vitality, right? I think that I had a belief that at some age, you kind of have to slow down, kind of have to let go of some things. Maybe you start to lose some elements of your health. Maybe you start on meds. Maybe you like are okay with being sick in some arenas, I can remember as a runner in my 20s, I thought, oh, when I reach my 40s, I'm going to have to run less. I'm going to have to allow myself to do less running and slow down. I'll be old then. Of course, the closer I got to my 40s, I was like, I'm ready to be old. And here at 48, I probably run more now than I did when I was 38, 
right? But as I saw my A1C climbing and I saw the scale climbing, I realized I'm like, I'm not ready to be quote unquote old yet. I'm not ready to be sick. I'm not ready to be on meds. I'm not ready to let go of my vitality, of my youth, of my gumption, of the spirit that was me. I wasn't willing to let myself go there. And I realized that doctors couldn't help me get there. I also realized Weight Watchers wasn't going to help me get there. And that's what coaching really helped me create. This is what women come to me to help me or to have me help them create in their lives. This is not something that a quick fix will get you. Okay. I have many coaches that I've worked with and I'm very, very grateful to them because they really have helped me create what I wanted, which was this peace and this trust in myself around food. And it's really extended into a trust and a peace in creating anything that I want. I learned to do it with food, but I've applied it to all sorts of areas of my life to create the life that I want. And this is what coaching will help you do. So in the next episode, I'm going to discuss what it looked like to make the changes. Again, the things that I do most days now that I rarely ever did then, and the things that I don't do now that I did a lot then. Okay. I'm going to give you a comparison and kind of explain how my journey was. But today's podcast, I really wanted to review what led me to this work. Many times we believe it's just that we want to stop one thing or we want to change one thing. We want to stop being sick. We want to fix the insulin resistance. We want to stop the meds. We want to lose the weight. We just want to get it done. We want to do the damn thing, right? We just want to get it done. Maybe tomorrow, but today, if possible, maybe yesterday would have been great. I don't care what happens. I just want to do the thing, right? And we're happy to like think about even exchanging resources in the form of cash to do it. Like I'll pay anybody as much money as they want from me to make this happen. But I hope you can see that the thing that really has to happen is not going to be in a quick fix. It takes time. It takes us putting in energy and resources mentally, not fiscally, not money resources. It's a time resource and it's a mental resource that we have to put in to change the relationship that we have with ourselves and with the food that we eat. And of course, that's what coaching does, right? This is a process of rewiring the brain, right? There isn't a time limit on that. You just do it until you get it done, right? And of course, a lot of times we just want that quick fix, right? Coaching gets you the rewiring of the brain. It gets you the mental, the mindset component that you need to create what you really want, which is trust and peace around food. And that, of course, gives you the weight loss. It gives you the normal insulin resistance. It gets you off your meds. It gets you a normal A1C, okay? That's what coaching will help you do. If that's something you're interested in, set up a consult with me. Send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. I'm happy to answer any questions you have about any of the podcast episodes, and I'm happy to get you set up for a consult so you can start figuring out how to create this in your life as well. If that's something you're interested in, send me a message. I'll respond. We'll get you on the calendar. Um, I will be back next week, again, talking kind of about where it was in the process of making these changes. And then there will be a podcast about what it looks like to kind of live in this space all the time. I hope you found this helpful. I will be checking the YouTube channel to um, see if there's any comments or questions. If you are listening on the replay, if you're listening on YouTube, or if you're listening on um, the podcast apps, don't hesitate to go to the Delane MD channel on YouTube. You can post any questions that you have about the information I present there, or you can always just send me a message. I will talk with you soon. Bye-bye.